0: Today's episode brought to you by Test Prep MVP. That is a specific initiative of what's called Exercise MVP. Test Prep MVP is a way of using exercise to stimulate an incredibly powerful neurological state so that attention and retention during a study session improves. This is actually an initiative of the Good Athlete Project based on tons of research and proven out countless times. The last time we ran ACT study prep sessions in Chicago, we saw a 3.3 point increase on ACT math exams. Just in case you're not familiar, the ACT is out of 36. We're moving scores 3.3 points on average. Those are outcomes that just can't be matched. Now, to learn more about how it is, how it works, and what we do, reach out to us either at ExerciseMVP on social media or at GoodAthleteProject and, of course, GoodAthleteProject.com. Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. The Olympic Committee came out with this this statement, and I thought it was really important because um, we certainly, going back to this blue checkmark idea, I think it probably <laughs> all is part of the same discussion. I think from an outside perspective, one wouldn't necessarily think that an Olympian, especially like a, a medal winner or something of that nature... Mm Is someone at the pinnacle of their field in the public eye and all has has achieved so many of the levels of success that uh, a young athlete might set out for oneself. Like how could one of those people have mental concerns? Like you've Mm -hmm. got it, you've done it. What's the problem Mm -hmm. is what I think is easy. It's a trap easy to fall into for, from someone who's outside.
1: Uh, Yeah. 1000%. And I was just having this conversation with one of my good friends who played basketball at Michigan, she plays professionally now in Israel. So not at the Olympic level, but certainly a high level athlete. And it's the biggest fallacy to look at somebody from the outside perspective and somebody's highlight reel, i.e. on Instagram and Mm. to say that everything's sunshine and rainbows That behind that backstory. That's the problem that mediums like Instagram can present like that. And I think with high achieving athletes to some degree, I know this was true for me when I was younger and growing up, I got a lot of my validation and Mm -hmm. love from being really good at sports. Yeah, Like that's where I got the attention. So that's where I wanted to succeed and achieve. And I think when you go down that rabbit hole, and maybe it's not true for everybody, but it was the same case for Courtney. And I think maybe for a lot of, maybe it's different guys to girls. I don't know. I wasn't a dude, but believe it or not. Um, And so that's one thing that we talked about was how much, a lot of that stuff comes back to like when you were younger and mm-hmm. what, what the messaging you received growing up. And then the perfectionism, like you are achieving and striving for perfection. And if you don't hit perfection, you failed. And that mindset can be very dangerous if you don't manage it properly. So I think there's a um, an extreme degree of perfectionism, people-pleasing, all these features that you learn later on in life that you need to like dial down a little bit and that it's not about being perfect and you have permission to not, but when it's in sports and you have to win and you're going at the highest level and everybody's watching you, that pressure is insurmountable. I mean, it's huge. So I don't, I don't even know how I would uh, advise an athlete to manage that, but that's the degree of pressure that they're dealing with versus somebody like me who's in my regular adult life. That's not dealing with the same pressure Mm -hmm. that I was in athletics. I felt more, Pressure and strain, the most pressure and strain in my life, my four years at Michigan. I was totally, I was one of those people. I was depressed, yeah. anxious. I had all of it. I didn't even know I did though. That's the problem. Right. right. But yeah.
0: Well, so it is a really complicated discussion to unbraid. So I would i would say. Unbraid, I like that. The, for the first part, I'm, this is the light end of, of a spectrum of concepts that I'll talk about. The first is um, they talked about in, in this thing, the, like how to identify actual depression? Mm-hmm. So, like there is such a thing as just overworking and sort of being exhausted. And there, and and I think they were talking about how one idea would be distinguishing overtraining from mm-hmm. actual depression, because just the response or the the cure is different, mm-hmm. right? So overtraining, it's like pull back, um, whatever sleep whatever more. it might be, sleep more. more, exactly. So, but there's a set of of uh, Strategies already in place to overcome a state of overtraining. How do you identify
1: a difference between overtraining and I think and it's depression.
0: hard. And, and really, okay, so what's the, and what if the it's clinical a definition? It, and and it's that's such a where great it really area. becomes, right? And it, for sure. Especially and in college athletics, no no these kids
1: are like working like two different, two full time jobs at the Without same time. Without question.
0: Without question. And, and in fact, one of the things that I thought that was so cool was the IOC folded college athletes into it. Did yeah. not distinguish mm-hmm. between, you know, necessarily. They're like, well, high-level college athletes. Yeah, that counts too.
1: Yeah, it sure. does. So, God. It's harder than anything I've ever done in my life.
0: Um, well, and we could take this, whatever, in so many directions because that all, it uh, kind of made you you. I'm not saying it had to be the way that it was, but mm-hmm. um, unbra- let, so let's even go smaller and unbraid that. I think it's very possible that a component of exhaustion, a component of depression mm-hmm. um, could be sort of at play at the same time. And I think going back to our framework, you'd have to address the physiological piece to identify which part of this is actual depression and and to what degree and what are the sources of that, et cetera. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So it's not saying, well, you're either depressed or you're exhausted. There could be sort of interlocking stuff going on here. Anyway, but that's one part of the conversation. The other thing that really jumps out to me and I'm so happy that we're talking about it. We, Well, you all heard Ingrid Markham talk about it a little bit in her mm-hmm. pursuit to be an Olympian, all that kind of stuff. To be elite mm. at that level at something, you have to be like crazy obsessive. You have to be born with talent and then be, and that's how you get good. And then to become elite, you have to be obsessive. And the complicated thing there is an obsessive track can sometimes be a really challenging one for mm-hmm. sure. So like when you're in it, it can be really difficult. And even if somehow you come out of it clean, it's going to end. Mm-hmm. And then your life is going to shift dramatically. Yes. So there's almost – you cannot come out. This is kind of an interesting thing to say maybe. You can't come out of an athletic career totally clean. Mm-mm. You're going to have to be able to deal with stuff along the way. Now, I think the, thi- the reason that people think athletics is such a valuable learning platform that teaches life lessons is because it, you're doing that – in a way that sort of mirrors life, but isn't as h- quite high stakes as life. So if you do it right, you are you're learning to manage setbacks. You're learning to be a process oriented person and have healthy relationships to competition. Um, value yourself over like what other people think of whatever. You could, in theory, learn those things along the way. Mm-hmm. The reason the Good Athlete Project exists is because yeah. obviously we don't
1: think it's always happening like. But so I would argue most of the time it's not. I, so that's why it's less important. Probably less than it is. Yeah, sure. I mean, for sure. from from right. people I've talked to around a multitude of different programs, I would say, even if you're doing it right, like are, how right are you doing it? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Totally. Like, that's a good point. So there's different varying shades of the scale, I would say. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. And I think Ingrid talked about it a lot. What hit home for me when she was speaking, for those of you that weren't there, was when she talked about the piece of like filling that void within yourself. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the self-awareness piece comes into play of what I was forced to do in college when I was at my lowest point. And this is not about me, but this is just what I can speak to from my experience Um, of just figuring out where those holes are and why they're there. Hmm. Whether Mm -hmm. it's from childhood, whether it's from growing up, whether it's from programs can come into place with a bad coach in high school. Sure. Bad, Bad beliefs about yourself can come into play. Figuring out that self awareness piece is so important because that's where you can start to address those bits and pieces where imbalance can come in. Because when you're so focused on your sport and when you're so focused on achieving, you let all the other garbage that's going on inside kind of like fall at bay. Because right now, this is going so well. Like, I'll deal with that stuff later. I don't want to look at it. I don't want to look at it. But like, this is where I'm going. And then that's where it comes to. Crash yep. at the end of your career or whatever it is that you were so locked in on for so long because mm-hmm. you don't know who you are and you have nothing else to fall back on. Like, who are you outside of the athlete? That's why I always, I always am so passionate about like really getting to know somebody behind the mask and like behind the check mark and behind everything. Mm-hmm. Like that's where the human connection is, which you talked yeah. about earlier, of being able to connect with people and build a community where you're supported. And also can go through those conversations and be vulnerable with, and work through some of those stuff. But I don't think a lot of that is taught, like you said, which is why it's important what you guys are doing.
0: Well, I appreciate you saying that. It's an uphill battle. I'm recognizing how much we have <laughs> to do. Which, but it, but that's good. But every good.
1: that's all. Everyone's like that's life, right? You're just evolving. Mm-hmm. Everyone's on different tracks. Everyone has different challenges. Sports present different challenges. It just presents different rewards and different um, sets of challenges of like. Uh, and I think it's like a magnified area because on the outside everything's great, but on the inside it's a different story. But you can't show it. Sure, you're always taught to never show it ever. Like, yeah, that's right. Don't cry. Don't. know, you're a wuss. Like, do, I mean, I multiple times in my career, like, we couldn't show emotion. All my guy athletes friends, like, it's a societal yeah, thing. There's I think. no crying in baseball. Yeah, famous famously <laughs> not that. Said like, it. I'm saying go out there and cry, but like have somebody to like get that stuff out with you know Mm -hmm. or to be in touch with it because I shut off that side of me for so long like I was numb I didn't feel anything (laughs) yeah yeah you're laughing about it now I know it's kind of funny because it sounds so terrible But it is true. I think a lot of people go through that. Yeah. Like you just like turn That's off true. your feelings, and you're like, "Okay, I'll deal with you later." And then it gets to I'll a point you can't you ignore later.
0: <laughs> feelings.
1: Yeah. Do you not agree? Am I the only one in on this? Well, Do you I see I, it with I your athletes.
0: I've never had a feeling, so I can't really comment on this. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah, it's, it's tough be out to of be empathetic. <laughs> but I've heard they're great. Uh, I mean, they can't be. They can't be. Yeah, it depends, I guess. Well, it's uh, it's so funny because um, it it. it I think every time when I hear you talk about this kind of stuff, it, it just really enhances, for me, the purpose and the mission of everything that we're doing. Because you weren't, by definition, you weren't born like that. You learned no. that.
1: Like, yeah.
0: You were born Sad feeling up. things, you know, and you learned to sort of turn the, turn the faucet down mm-hmm. on, on those mm-hmm. parts of your life, which is interesting. And, and it, it, it is worth examining why and mm-hmm. where it came from. Um, I think just so, so I have to throw this out there. I think, do you, or, or let me ask it as a question. Do you think there is such a thing as paying too much attention to how you feel and not enough attention to the logic of a situation? I'm opening that up. I won't go any further until I hear from you. What do you mean you. by logic? Yeah, I don't know. Um, can
1: something, you something okay. The so I sorry. would say something more identifiable. <laughs> Can I call a friend on this one? Fear Alex.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, something more uh, objectively clear in the environment. And let me give an example. Like you are having a set of feelings at a given time, and so are you, and so am I. Mm. Um, and I think it's v- to feel those things like it's valid in each case. But at what point does it become not as constructive as it could be? You know what I mean? At what what point do you have to turn the faucet down just a touch to come back to center? Or is that a real thing? Am I making it up?
1: Well, I think part of coming back to center and, like, turning the faucet down is learning how to communicate that, like, in a healthy way. And maybe, like, that's emotional intelligence, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, knowing when it's right, not right, but knowing the right moments to handle those emotions. Like, if I was in practice and I wanted to cry, which was literally every day for four years, every day... Yeah. I mean, we could go into that deeper, probably off camera for now, but um, mm. you wait. And then I went to my safe place with Greg oh. and I'd cry and yeah. I'd process through it and I'd get to the why. Why am I feeling that way? Why am I this? And taking accountability, too. I think that's the other piece of it. So number one, emotional intelligence. Number two, taking accountability for the way that you feel like nobody else makes you feel another way. Mm-hmm. You make yourself feel that way. Hmm. I'm making myself feel Insecure, sad, fearful, I'm afraid, I'm feeling that way, not well, anybody why else. Why is that? Say, say more on that. On accountability for your emotions? Uh, on,
0: on why it's only you. Are you saying because even if there's well, an external okay. thing, it's you reacting to that external thing? Yeah, or?
1: but you're talking about how to turn the faucet down. So I'm not, I'm not yeah. um, encouraging external coaches to be like, to not be kind and yeah. everything like that. What I'm saying is like a personal, you're talking about how the best way for somebody individually to handle hmm. feeling and I would say, number one, it's emotional intelligence, learning what it is that you're feeling, because I don't think we teach a communicate or teach language for even to,
2: mm-hmm. to
1: know that and sure. then communicating it in the proper way, in a mm-hmm. mature way and not in a like passive aggressive or lashing out. You know, I'm yeah. sure you deal with kids that mm-hmm. maybe are have a deeper emotion than what they're acting. Yeah. And that's, I think, comes to the family structure or whatever yeah. they learn that from. But then like the taking accountability for your emotions and for your feelings Puts the ownership on you, and it, it regardless of it, if you're in a really crappy situation or in a really good situation, taking accountability for that. If you, even if you are in a terrible situation, mm-hmm. you can pull yourself out of that because mm-hmm. you're the one and con- Nobody else is in control of yeah. what you're thinking and feeling and feeling.
0: That's interesting. The the accountability, the agency thing. We've talked before about Lisa Feldman Barrett. So something yeah, earlier. I. Yeah, just, yeah, she yeah. was
1: on Goop. Tell me more. What's Goop? Gwyneth Paltrow's podcast. You, seriously? Yeah. I listened to it. I sent it to you, Alex. You did. <laughs> I didn't send it to you. because Out of the group text. <laughs> <No>. uh, <laughs> because I, I sent you a lot of podcasts. And that's fair. I didn't want to overwhelm you. No. I mean, I sent both. I'm like, I just send them to people. Everywhere.
0: Lisa. Lisa.
2: Wow.
1: Good yeah.
0: for her. I love her. <laughs> I love group text. Well, I will say... <laughs> I am feeling something right now. We need to get it left out. (laughs) I'm just kidding.
1: No, No, but but also I sent it to him too, because I like the way that goop does their intros. Okay. For the podcast. And I was like, I think this is your girl and here. So it was like, counter. it was like
0: two, two birds, one stone. Well, she, she, so I think it's amazing. I'm going to move past it. I'm, uh, and, uh, I I would say though like Uh, she's been such a valuable influence in my life and her work has been such a valuable thing for Mm -hmm. tons and tons of people in part I think because it it lends a sense of agency to uh, a state of like emotion and feeling Mm -hmm. what I mean by that is I think we were to to go from completely closed off ice cold I don't feel to okay Mm -hmm. wait a minute it's okay to have emotions and stuff like that it's completely natural this is Mm -hmm what's supposed to happen, uh, but then also fairly quickly through her research, I'll call that kind of step three, recognize that and you are not out of control mm. just because you're having these emotions. Yeah. You don't have to turn them off. Mm-hmm. Okay, so rec- And then you can have them. And then look, and here's how you come into play mm-hmm. when, when we start to talk about these things. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes when you lose some coaches, I mean, this happens all the time, you lose some coaches when you start talking about feeling and stuff like that. And some of them are just closed off to it because that's right. how, the way that they were sort of well, brought up. And
1: sorry, no offense, yeah, no. but like dudes weren't taught. Dudes are to the feel. worst. They, no, 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 are, no. Guys, no, guys right. are not the worst, but no. guys are not taught how to manage those. But be. But, but, you,
0: but you're right though. Mm-hmm. You're right. My dad, who was just on the thing on the phone, taught me a lot of things, mm-hmm. and, I, and emotional regulation or management was was not one of them. <laughs> Same. Um, yeah, and and no okay. judgment on him whatsoever. Same. It's just not something that was talked about. No. So um, where was I going with all of this? Sorry Essentially, no, it's all right. No, it's important That's stuff. It, it uh, the the other thing I was gonna say though is okay. So so there are some who are just closed off and don't get that it's important. That's mm-hmm. fine. Like the old, like I'm picturing like the Marlboro man type, old, you know, old school guy. Um, but then there are some people who are like, well, and I think this is thoughtful enough, even though it's coming probably from a Marlboro man-ish place. And I'd like to bring it more to like a communal, well-considered discussion. Mm-hmm. You can't just feel whatever you want all the time and make that okay, with a little asterisk on it. Meaning, imagine a scenario where like I feel hungry, so <laughs> I just take food from the store. Yeah. Hypoth- you know what I mean? Yeah. And or or a uh, an athlete thinks that there was a sure. bad call and they're like cussing out a referee. The, the f- it's okay, but like you do have to. And maybe faucet is an interesting metaphor and maybe mm-hmm. it's been used before, but like. Uh, To make sure that the faucet is always on, Mm -hmm. I guess, to some degree, does make sense. But I think you should know that your hand is on the knob Mm -hmm. to some point also. It doesn't have to be raging, boiling hot water. We can kind of temper it out a little bit. Mm -hmm. Thoughts there?
1: Well, I think the learning how to control the faucet comes from your parent parental structure like your family structure what you learn from your coaches like you said like all these opportunities for coaches to to teach these life lessons like that very much could be a good part of it Mm -hmm. of like learning how to cultivate a safe place for people to feel like they can work through their stuff or like individually like evolve as a person Mm -hmm. right because that's what it's all about even if you're you know from a coach to a teacher or anything in life that you're speaking on it's all about individual evolution so meeting people where they are and helping them through that but that it's a two-way street like right like it's taking accountability for your faucets if you will mm. and then also having somebody that's willing to meet you where you are so it's kind of yeah. like a you gotta take care of your side of the street first and and in order to accept that help that's
0: right uh, and I cannot, through that, come back to the idea of a team. And so much of what, you know, team embraces an initiative that's been important to us for a, for a while. And mm-hmm. we're kind of re-imagining it, reimagining it and hopefully taking it to another uh, important level. But, like, the idea that to be part of a team, there is there is an immediate support structure. Mm-hmm. That might, it might be. Faulty, it might be shaky. It might be part of a culture that is toxic. Hypothetically, that's when it goes wrong. Mm-hmm. But it's there. There's something going on, and we talk about this all the time, or we used to when you were when we were working in the same building. Like peer pressure is an incredibly powerful thing, mm-hmm. and it, and it can be positive or negative. I think that's one recognition. Obviously, mm-hmm. peer pressure—you think of like getting people to smoke cigarettes or vape or whatever. But peer pressure <laughs> when, when kids these days—well, when you tip Rascals. over and, and we're aimed at something good, it's also incredibly powerful. And I'm going to go back to what was supposed to be the subject of this podcast, which is the Olympic (laughs) Committee's It always uh, goes off on fun tangents. I love it. I love it. (laughs) But they talked about one thing that kind of um, really highlighted that point for me was uh, they talked about individual sport or individual, um, yeah, individual sport athletes like like track and and maybe I'll put wrestling in that category. You Mm -hmm. compete solo versus team sports Hmm. and how that looked different and there were two things they talked about that had inverse relationships one of them Hmm. was depression and mental health and there were more negative outcomes in individual sports than there were in team sports which I think makes sense and there were two interesting topics that were brought up one of them was like if we lose like we lose we can still like commiserate and like we're going through this together whereas you think if you go to a, a track meet and there's 100 people in the field there's 99 losers, and they're all alone. Mm. So it's kind of interesting <laughs> how the dynamics of that work yeah, out. That makes sense. Yeah, but but then also um, the the other the flip side of that was they examined substance abuse, and it was like way more prevalent in team sports, specifically lacrosse and ice hockey. That Guys and girls and girls. It, it does it doesn't necessarily <laughs> surprise me either. I'm sorry, and I I do really Seen like it. both of those sports, but. I actually have a theory behind that. You, mm-hmm. want, you want to what hear what? What is why? it? Yeah. Okay. So first of all, obviously, like peer pressure is what it is. I think if you are an adolescent teen boy and you are trying to gain independence and you're in a physical sport, um, risk-taking or risky behavior might be slightly elevated. And if then it becomes the norm, then more people are engaging in potentially risky behavior. So that's fine. That is what it is. The reason I think maybe ice hockey and lacrosse stood out just a touch from like football or basketball it's my theory is because those two sports in particular are uh oftentimes independently funded or like privately coached they're on like a club level Hmm. like for example our schools that we've both been a part of um they have hockey teams but those but they're not they wear the colors of the school but they're the the people coaching them are not like educators they're not lifelong educators they're independent hockey coaches some of them have other jobs some, yeah. of them are, some of them are just like pay for pay for play or pay for coach mm-hmm. situation. so I say that because again no real judgment here I believe people who get into coaching are doing it for the right reason but there just might be less ownership or, or less understanding perhaps which mm. would make sense on those independent coaches when compared to like um, a history teacher who also coaches mm-hmm. football or something of that nature what do you think about that theory
1: yeah I think there's definitely validity to that. I also think it's a part of the culture from what I just have experienced from the high school culture and college culture and NHL the professional level. Yeah. I've been around professional lacrosse. So I can't speak to that. But in college, those two groups of guys yeah. were the party animals, so to speak. And don't get me wrong. And there's no judgment there either because a lot of them were my good guy friends. Sure. But um I think it's a cultural thing that's handed down to the Mm -hmm. people below you. And if you don't partake, it's more likely like the hazing comes into play or you're going to be like you're going to be like I know the guys on the hockey team, for example, when I was there, the ones that weren't like that and didn't want to drink all the time and just like really wasn't interested in that stuff. They were totally dogged on when they Mm -hmm. weren't around the group. And so then it becomes right. It's like a fundamental human need is... To be to, I think it's like an ancient need of like if you were to be different, you'd be kicked out of the tribe. Yeah, totally. It's like a, it's an ancient. There's something like that. Yeah, you you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Um. So that that fear of oh god if I don't even though I don't want to then I'm gonna be kicked out of the tribe. Yeah, primal. Unless Uh, you were like yeah, primal, primal. Yeah. Ancient. (laughs) Either way. Ancient. Primal. (laughs) That's what I was looking for. Thank you. Sure. Um. But I think that is. Part of it, too, is the fear of if I don't, then mm-hmm. I'm going to be punished or kicked off or whatever. Pretty I think interesting. Maybe shifting a little bit with like the with the um at least from what I've seen with the younger guys in hockey, at least in college that are now taking their careers a little bit more seriously. Like yeah. you can't afford to drink every day of the week. Your body can't and you're not yeah. going to be drafted as high. So like when when there's money on the line and when there's sure there's absolutely still that stuff going on but I think maybe hopefully it's shifting mm. a little bit of like if there's a guy on the team that knows he's going to the NHL he's yeah. not going to be the guy that's going to be going out every day maybe maybe not Yeah, no. when you're 18 your yeah. body can do miraculous things it can recover I know because I was quickly. there you were 18 once <laughs> how was. was that was that great Um, it wasn't my best
0: but yeah alright <laughs> Um, yeah that's right and, and, I, and I'm, I'm thinking I used the word I hope it wasn't too strange in an article recently memetics you didn't point it out so i hope it was memetics. okay i want I read you to read some of these it.
1: articles that you write yeah yeah
0: i feel um, like i've been I'm left, happy out of, to share. I'm left
1: out of the text chain well we have one. them on
0: a <laughs> uh, little text chain we <laughs> share with just close friends and, uh, and and that's it's either way thanks for the invite guys uh, appreciate it for sure cool i'll be here well this, so it was um but do you remember that at all i remember the word the yeah. memetics of strength and in memetics the, like like the way that we have memes now that comes from an actual field of study. Like that, that term, you know what a meme? Yeah. Like the, the picture and the thing. <laughs> like whatever. the wind didn't stand a chance. <laughs> like the wind, exactly. The, the wind didn't full stand circle. a chance. For those who didn't see the picture. Google uh, it A right family now. full of fun folks <laughs> with, with great hairstyles with and wind jackets. Right, wind all of them. suits. Yes. And it says the wind didn't stand a chance. It's funny. And You're it did not. It and it didn't. So, uh, Memes,
1: memetics. Memes
0: but but that comes from the more you disc- know. <laughs> it, it meme- so memes are how we pass down information genera- generationally and um, not even just generation to generation and they're not always right so there's a study of memetics anyway that's what i was <laughs> alluding to in that um, article but it's also clear that like if you have a stigma in your mind of what like a hockey player is hypothetically that 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 we've sort of bought into it you know we're Batch processing. We don't know all the hockey players. Yeah. That's we do. But it's also very possible that the 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 mem- the memetics of like like there is a stereotypical hockey player. It's not. It they didn't just find. However how many people are in the NHL. God, I don't know. Well, well let me say it this way. <laughs> Put me it is. The spot. It I is. That's right. Uh, it, it, it is certainly though. Um, it is a correlational, not causal relationship between. Hairstyle and sport, dis- sport <laughs> decided upon. You know what I mean? You don't. You yeah. don't have a mullet and then go play hockey. You you cut your hair that way because you're playing hockey. You you like this yeah, is yeah, the, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. What I, what how I live up yeah, to this. Sure. This is um, you know the 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 lettuce of a lacrosse player. They do really have good flow. I'm serious. Like <laughs> it's uh, true. It is, and and behavior stuff gets passed down as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um so like whether it's struggling you know, drug or drinking, um, it makes sense that that would be sort of culturally... And broadly. it's handed
1: down from the older guys who yeah. was handed down from this the other older like. guy. I mean, that's how yeah. everything works, right? Family lineage, cultural yeah. and sports, culture in sports. It's like, if you don't... And and also when you're that young and being in that environment and when the older seniors are saying, this is how we do things, yeah. don't screw it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And don't go against our will. Totally. What are you going to do? Like, you're... I was scared to death. I was scared to death. uh, I hope other people have more inner strength and inner sense of who they are to to know that they wouldn't want to do stuff like that. But unfortunately, I don't think, and this comes back to what they're taught, like, Mm -hmm. I don't think we do a good enough job at teaching the fundamental basics of what would make you be able to stand strong in your worth and say no in those moments.
0: That's that's true. That's true. I I want you to pick this Mm -hmm. up, Alex. Um, I will say one thing about what you just said was that when that happens to someone when when you don't want when someone's say it's a senior advising a freshman oh god like your child um, talking to a brand new adult yeah so not like a seasoned wise adult yeah um, exactly and, and that a new brand new adult learned the same things four years prior so it, it really it's a, it's a tight knit um, not really
2: well considered most likely system go Well, it's also difficult in my mind because culture in sports matters and just Mm. like a positive Mm -hmm. culture matters, like a negative culture also matters because you don't want that. But I think when you're a younger person coming up in a sport, it's like, I don't know if you, I I, I shouldn't paint with such a broad brush. Mm. You probably have not learned how to make the distinction between this is part of our culture and something that we need to keep in order to be so successful, true. and this is part of our culture that has kind of, uh, you know, grown over time and maybe isn't helping us be successful and is part of, like, the athlete culture and not the whole team culture. Like, it's it's a tough thing for a young kid to make that distinction of being, like, because you say, uh, or we've talked about the idea of kind of standing up and, and having, like, the inner strength to be, like, you know, no, I'm not going to do that because mm-hmm. it's bad or wrong or whatever. Well, this may be an extreme example, but if showing up on time is part of your culture and you're expected to be there 10 minutes early, like it wouldn't be strong of you to show up five minutes late and be like, well, no, that's bad. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And it, But yeah. it all kind of gets melted into this
1: pot mm-hmm. of culture. And it's, it's like true. part of the bonding experience too, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to be, am I hearing you right? It's kind of hard to be discerning at that time. Yeah. Like this is something we need to keep. This is something we need. So, so would you then again say that it falls to the coaches
2: to continually be looking and evaluating and figuring that part out? Yeah, 100%. And I think like when it comes to culture, I, this has become a catchphrase, so to, so to speak. But like you're either coaching for it or you're mm-hmm. allowing it. It's those things. Is it and a catchphrase? So, that, is, is it well, a quote? You and I have quote? talked about it. Well, I've heard it from other people. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so maybe it's not a catchphrase. Maybe it's a quote. Not it's, yet. Yeah, it's, well-traveled it's quote. But <laughs> you're the coach or <laughs> <well-traveled. laughs> yeah. you're Well-traveled yeah. you're, you're, right. you're either coaching for it or you're allowing it. And mm-hmm. that's where when we talk about from a coach's perspective, like you have to own that. You, you mm. just have to. And so if you don't say something, if you see a behavior that you don't want to be a part of your culture and you don't say anything because – of whatever reason well you're allowing it and if it becomes Mm -hmm. part of your culture that's a much harder thing that's a harder like thing to unbraid is separating again you're only making it more difficult for your students to be able to discern what is a positive part of our culture that needs to be upheld and passed down and what's a negative part of our culture that we need to start to that would i would show strength by pushing
1: back against or not participating in right Uh but then would the athletes listen to the coach that comes down to then relationships, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And the coaches doing their own work, I think, is a big part of that. Like how you preach your athletes to be needs to be also your lifestyle too. Not I, saying you, the, adding to your yeah, point. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, not, yeah, No,
2: I mean, it's. I think that's exactly right. And I come back to a lesson that I was taught um, by Alex Sharon. Shout out Alex, uh, mm-hmm. who was my Another boss Alex. set. <laughs> Are you loyal. biased just because the name? Yes. I'm just kidding. Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> He, um,
2: <laughs> he was my boss at Loyola University of Chicago, and one of the things that he told me, and this is just from a strength and conditioning standpoint, was he said, never program something for your athletes that you haven't done yourself.
1: Mm, I love you that. Because you need
2: to know what it feels like. Yeah. You, if you're going to like put them through a tough conditioning workout, fine. Beat them up a little bit. But you better do it first, mm-hmm. or you better have had that experience. And it kind of goes I to what you're saying, that. where it's like you have to know what that feels like, because mm-hmm. you can tell the kids, like hey, if you're peer pressured, just say no to drinking. Yeah, I'm going to be like,
1: okay, whatever. All yeah. right, where's the party
2: at, <laughs> Exactly. Guys? You know? Yeah, and if, if the coach themselves isn't able to do that or didn't do that or is, you know, showing up hungover to practice, mm-hmm. oh, it's man. like, Don't you get know. me started.
0: Don't get me started. Yeah. Hey, coaches who are showing up hungover to practices on, like, Saturday mornings, your kids know, and your peers respect you less. Is mm. that too aggressive? Not at all. I mean what I said. So um, here's what I think we're about at our time so this is what i want a couple nuggets from each of you i'd like you to take the player side and you to take the coach side just like if you were going to essentially break open this discussion put it in mental health put anything mental health or the habits that we've been talking about how would you approach a teammate or just turn it around how would you like to be approached that makes Talking sense about,
1: at all. Will we repeat that one more
0: time? Yeah, I got to think of a better way to word it. Okay. Uh, so if you were <laughs> so going to sure I'm on the well we we've, we've talked about it so much like it's got to be part of the culture. And then you talk about like how do we even make it even more actionable? So okay. let's say we see someone struggling. Part of the culture? Oh, okay. Um, like the conversation of mental health sort of broadly whether it is uh, referring back to uh, substance abuse or just other sorts of habits or just being able to open up and come clean about the fact that you are feeling certain things and you're not sure how to deal with them. Mm. From a player's perspective, what would you have either liked to hear or how would you approach another player on the team? So essentially we're trying to equip a listener with Mm. language.
1: And then will you do the same for a coach? That's to create a culture that is safe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and even to get even faster, like, like to really dig into it. Mm-hmm. So say you have a supportive culture. This is a team embrace team. You know, on this team, we embrace that discussion. Okay, well, how do I bring it up? I'm sitting yeah. to next to this person on the bus. How do I talk about this?
1: Yeah. Well, I think it depends on the context of the situation, though, right? Like, so the give me an example of like what am I dealing with?
0: Someone who you think well, let's let me be clear. Yeah. You're the one struggling.
1: Okay. I'm going to ask two different with... questions.
0: You're the one struggling. Okay. You're sitting next to a team on the bus who you trust. Yeah. How do you, what language do you use to like essentially throw a line out?
1: Do you mind, do you have a second? I have, let me think about that for a second before I give my answer. I would say what I know now, mm-hmm. um, hey, I really, I'm really struggling with something, I really need to talk about it, do you have a second, is now a good time for us to talk about this, or could we revisit it at a time where we could just branch off the two of us? Because then if you're on a bus, you're mm-hmm. also in a situation where other people could hear it. But sure. if, if that is isolating, if that's a good time to bring it up, depending sure. upon what it is, if it's about somebody on the team, I would save that conversation for a safe place Within somebody you trust, maybe I would take that outside of the team because I don't think it's good necessarily to weave other people into that stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not a coach. But from a player's perspective, that's the language I would use of I'm feeling, struggling with, here's what I'm dealing with. And you literally lay out, like, this is what I've been feeling. Or is now a good time to talk about it? Sure. Or would you be open to, could, could we have a conversation about this? Or would you be would you mind being a sounding board as I process through mm-hmm. what I'm going through? Kind of thing, because then you give the person the option of either engaging in that moment, or maybe they're not in a place to. Or sure, like if you trust that person, I feel like they would. But that's—I don't know if I'm answering your question.
0: I think it's close. I think it's good enough. I, I'm, I'm talking about getting super actionable, like literally hypothetical yeah. situation. I'm struggling. I believe that my team is supported. I want to reach out. Yeah. Like what literally is gonna be the word that breaks through the thin veil of ice to get to people? Mm-hmm. And maybe to something is, hey, is now a good time? Maybe it's just something like, um, do you hey, think I'm maybe- really struggling
1: with this. I could use some help. I could use some advice. Yeah. I don't even, you know, if you're right there immediately with the person, I'd like do that. Or if it, if you want to text them ahead of time, like, hey, I'm really struggling. Do you have a couple minutes today that I could I just use your ear? And I would approach it that way. But I mean, it does take some bit of vulnerability. But mm-hmm. if you have that culture and that safety, to be able to yeah. talk to somebody about that. But first, I think it's number one thing is identifying where it's coming from, what's yeah. bothering you, where it's coming from, and what's the inside trigger inside of you. Like That's the yeah. self-awareness piece that I think number one priority over all this, figure out the why behind why it's bothering you, what's yeah. bothering you, and why. What 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 inner something is it tugging at that you need sure. to resolve within yourself because at the end of the day, somebody can listen to you, but if it's not going to be resolved within you, yeah, not, that person can listen, but they're not going to... Solve it.
0: That's a really good point. And I would say to anyone listening to this who might be going down that road or need that, I would you agree that you, I, I think you're right to identify what it is within you that might need work. I don't think that you have to have that figured out before you go seek no. help. No. But no. But like, yeah. to, to be like.
1: That's speaking from where yeah. I'm at now. Sure. But these where are all. Was, yeah.
0: But just to, just to I, I think it's a really good way to enter the discussion.
1: But even with that person, you could talk through like, why is this bothering me? Could you help me get to the bottom of it? Somebody that Mm -hmm. knows you really well, that's been with you for a while, like maybe they can help you sort through that stuff too.
0: But even just like, like you initially said, like just to say, hey, is now a good time? Can I just, throw some stuff at you. Mm -hmm. I'm really not doing. I think to acknowledge you're
1: struggling is the number one piece of like, but that's like, I think a lot of what Brené Brown talks about is like, that's vulnerable. Like you're expressing quote unquote, what we've seen as weakness for so long in our society to be able to admit I'm struggling. I don't know what I'm doing. I need help. That's Mm -hmm. the first step of vulnerability. But like you said, if it's in a safe space, amazing. Then you have those channels are open that you're able to communicate that. And I would also add that mental health is a fitness like you should exercise your mental health as much as you exercise your physical body
0: mm-hmm.
1: to be able totally to create agree. that resilience. Totally agree. See?
0: Which is Resiliency? why it's got to be the development of a culture. I think it can't mm-hmm. be like a, okay, today we let out all our problems and tomorrow we're good. It's a, it's a culture. Okay, to that point, you're up. Pretty soon, I'm going to turn that question around mm. and say, how do you ask someone you think you might be struggling? So let that okay. stew for a second. Okay. How do you, as a coach? set up that culture of inclusion and and let
2: people know that this is a place that you can talk about that sort of thing? I think, uh, number one, practice what you preach. Um, I think as a coach, you can't be afraid to ask an athlete how they're feeling outside of what's going on on the field or on the court or in practice. Um, I think one thing that has gone uh, a long way for me in my career, um, let's say you have an athlete who just keeps messing up on the field in some way Mm -hmm. or in the weight room in some way. They just keep messing up. They can't get it right time after time, no matter what cue you give them, whatever. Like Maybe that's an opportunity right there to stop, Mm -hmm. put that aside for a second and be like, is everything okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is everything all right with you right I now? Love because that. instead of know. being
1: like, "Why aren't you getting it right?"
2: Exactly. Yeah. Because it can be frustrating for a coach as well. You keep telling someone, "Do this, yeah. do this, do this," and they're not doing it. Maybe there's you something else patient. going on. So that's like asking that athlete, "Is everything okay?" Do you like, you know? Uh, and it doesn't have to be in a public setting. It doesn't have to be in mm-hmm. front of the team. It doesn't even have to be during that workout. You can, I, and I'm speaking from a strength and conditioning standpoint, mm-hmm. but like, you can wait till after the workout, grab that kid, and be like, "Is everything all right?" You know, so that's number one, knowing Mm -hmm. like having a true open door policy. And then I think that also when it comes to the word family gets thrown around so much in sports, Mm -hmm. right? It is such a common thing. And I think it's fantastic if it, if it doesn't end there, because yes, so so much of it, I think I hear the word and then, but are you really doing that? Right. And so making sure that your athletes understand like, hey, you guys, if you're going to use the word family, we'll just use the word team right now instead. We won't even say that this is a situation where are using family. If you're using the word team, guys, when you step off that field, we're still a team. When you're in first period on Wednesday, we're still a team. That's still your teammate, right? It, that doesn't change no matter where we are. We're not a team for 90 minutes a day. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah no matter what. And I think personally for me, again, kind of giving them a avenue where they can see why it's so valuable. So, you know, football, for example, I coach linebackers for my team. And one of the big things was communicate, communicate, communicate. We want you talking on the field. Your, your person next to you needs to know mm-hmm. what's going on so that they can be successful, all that stuff. And like that communication, again, it can't just end at 90 minutes. If you are communicating outside of that, that is also gonna strengthen your ability to communicate on the field. So you wanna be a better teammate, you wanna be a better football player and be a more successful team, Mm -hmm. cool. Don't just do it here, do Mm -hmm. it everywhere. Talk to each other everywhere because Mm -hmm. you're gonna build a stronger relationship and now it doesn't feel so strange or it doesn't feel foreign for you to turn and say, Mm -hmm. hey, Three by one alignment, or you know, yeah, and learn whatever. each other's
1: communication exactly.
2: Thoughts, yeah. So it, it's kind of like just reinforcing those things in every single thing that you do. And the, the last thing that I would say about that is also, um, like what do you as a coach? I think praise is one of the best currencies that we have to offer. Um, because we can't be out there making the plays for them, we can't do the reps for them, but we can, you know encouraging somebody or praising someone in front of the group is uh is something that goes a really long way and it matters to the kids Mm -hmm. it's like what are you praising right Mm -hmm. because if you are only praising the kid that squats 500 pounds and nowhere along the way are you praising the kid who's squatting you know 135 pounds but when he started he was only squatting 95 right then it i think that kind that. of stuff matters too right the process yes. you're praising the process the outcomes are fantastic and we will celebrate those if they're the outcomes that we want but our focus mm-hmm. is on the process our focus is on mm-hmm. the way that we do things day in and day out no matter what
1: I love that hmm. can you what coach I? me back in the uh, day thanks you got it sweet Yes. I'll be a calling year's. you for yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. cool All right, you're, you're hired
0: oh. <laughs> what I heard you say it's so interesting I'm, I'm really compelled by this idea like we're gonna make a communication playbook i just i just came up like like if that if communication is an essential part of like a team's culture and its execution and its performance if every part of the team then why wouldn't you study that and practice that the way you would study and practice plays so true you know what i mean you watch huddle you watch you watch game film to figure out that sort of strategy why why couldn't there be almost like a mandatory look you've got to talk to this, your teammate five times today or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know what,
1: what it's like. Here's how. like here's how teaching guys how to communicate. Seriously. I'm not kidding. I'm not yeah. making fun or anything. No. Like truly, like I think that's a skill that they're on both sides of the spectrum. It's teaching people how to communicate, but that's especially young guys. Right. I
0: think you're totally right. Mm-hmm. Now you are a teammate in this Kay. hypothetical scenario. Mm-hmm. You see a teammate who might be struggling how do you communicate with them? How do you reach out?
1: Um, I would open the door with something of pulling them aside where it's not in front of other people where they don't feel like they're being humiliated or, mm-hmm. you know, not humiliated, but like called out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would open up the conversation of like, I noticed whatever it is that's telling me that there's something wrong. I know, hey, I noticed that you you've seemed a little down today. Is everything okay? But even further than that, opening that door because sometimes I will admit to being on the other side of it not I would not admit to anything being wrong mm-hmm. even if it was sure. a teammate I trusted so opening the door with that is everything okay and if I say no I'm fine everything's fine just normally what I would do back in my close off days sure. and then I would respond with something of the fact of well I just really want you to know I really care about you and if there's something going on I'm always here to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And how can I best support you if th- if and when something goes on? Because I think everybody's different in that way of how they, quote unquote, want to be supported. Some people might want to have a conversation about it. Some people may just want to like know that somebody cares about them
2: mm-hmm. and
1: maybe they don't want to. Any- I mean, that's the where you ask them, how can I support you? You open the door for them to say, I think. Hey, we could just go to lunch every now and again. That would help me just feel like I'm connected to somebody and supported or just whatever. Does that make sense?
0: I think so. I think what we keep coming back to is that first, there's not one clear-cut answer. No. But the act of reaching out and the act of opening up lines of communication is probably an essential component to finding some sort of answer. And that is completely dependent on Mm -hmm. the cultures that are created. So once again, every time we think through the logic of any of the... Um, unique strategies or or whatever it is that we're working on, uh, we always find our way back ultimately to the coach. Yes. You know, we, we, it's it's like, oh my gosh, that's why I think culture
1: can't exist without the leadership.
0: It's that you are the catalyst, right? To some degree, you and your supporting staff, you are the catalysts of whatever the team, um, the sense of family or, or whatever it might be. It's coming from you. And you brought up something that was really interesting to me, and I hope people will recognize this, is the you either coach it or you allow it. Yeah. If you've got a toxic team culture, it's like, so true. you have to look in the mirror. And, and the truth is, like you might find that there are external concerns that, that you had nothing to do with. Okay, Like really complicated home lives, all sorts of other stuff. That's very mm-hmm. possible. But not taking the time to look into that and identifying mm-hmm. it that you've taken too much off of yourself, you know, probably. So you weren't the instigator of a toxic culture, perhaps. But if you do nothing to alleviate it, which is going to take time, deliberation, intentionality, all these good things that we talk about, Mm -hmm. then you are somehow, I would even go as far as to say, culpable. And if you're a
1: a coach that is the cause of a toxic culture, my deeper statement to that would be, what's going on inside of them that mm-hmm. makes them That's so fair. unhappy to project that kind of toxic culture onto everybody else and military structure of how things mm-hmm. run here.
0: Can I backtrack just a, just like one step, only one yeah. step to go forward then? When, when I was, I, I sort of mocked coaches who would show up to a high school practice hungover. Um, I do mean what I said. But I do recognize, <laughs> I recognize that those are people too. And like, if you are just getting hammered on a Friday night after a high school football game and showing up hungover to a practice, there are probably are some other things going on too. So yeah, I don't want to. that's a good to, point. Like, you know,
1: what like dive in there. What's going yeah. on? What are you trying
0: to numb? What are you trying to yeah. run away from? Like, because that's usually why people don't, bury themselves in alcohol, right? It, no doubt. And that kind of brings us back to the faucet idea, which, which. For, I like the is, faucet analogy. I think you know what awesome I Yeah, yeah. And and I think with with that coach, I'm imagining, like there that person is going through his own set of struggles and demons and and whatever it might be, and that's fine. But I think because of the position you are in, unfortunately, you don't have quite as much time to indulge that. Mm-hmm. You've selected a career that puts you in front of kids. We we have to default to what's best for the kids. Yeah. It's tough.
1: Yeah, but it all starts, like you said, at the coaching level. Like that's you got to do your work internally of what's psychologically going on. You've had to go through stuff to get to where your perspective is. You have, I have, it's hard work to get to that point where you have to have an inner sense of knowing of who you are. But it's like, we're talking about all these athletes having to be in that same way. Like, I don't think a lot of adults have had to go through and do the work. So like adding to your point of, the coaches being responsible, like they are responsible for their life and the yeah, energy mm-hmm. that they bring to the table mm-hmm. and the energy that they put out in yeah. the world. Fair ownership.
0: Yeah, I think these are important themes all around for real. Um, all right. Well, thank you, International Olympic Committee. Did we touch for, on for that? writing a document <laughs> that sparked such interesting conversation with such good people? So, woohoo! Olympics.
1: Olympics, go
0: We could not do our work without coffee. Is that fair, Alex? Fair. And there are not many better coffee spots in Chicago than Gallery Cafe. Gallery Cafe, which is run by our good friend Eugene and his brother Billy and just a host of amazing people is located at 1760 West North Avenue in Chicago, Illinois. It is an historic building in a really cool neighborhood, Wicker Park, with high quality coffee sourced from around the world and roasted in-house. They've also got food. We actually splurged and got a, what was it? An apple cider potato donut today, but they also make sandwiches and amazing breakfast wraps to order. Perfect place to grab a cup of coffee, get some work done and stick around till lunch. Make sure you stop in and let them know the Good Athlete Project sent you.